Band, Happy Easter. Welcome to Church of the Redeemer for our Easter morning worship service. So glad you could connect with us today. Before we begin our sermon, I'd like to start by thanking a few people who made the, this day and this worship service possible. I'd just like to thank Hunter and Josh and Olga and Teve for their participation in today's service and also those behind the scenes, Michael and Chad, for putting this service together. I know that took a lot of work. So thank all of you all uh, for your participation today. Friends, our text today is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 23. And this Easter Sunday, I have a sermon that I've entitled, Consider the Consequences. And what we want to do today is consider the consequences if Jesus was not raised the third day. So if you join with me, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 23. Hear now the written word of the living God. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Pray with me, please. Oh God, today we give you great honor and glory today for your resurrection, for conquering over sin, death and hell and rising that third day. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for accomplishing our salvation for us. And now, Father, as we turn this Easter Sunday to your word, Bless the preaching of it. Uh, give me recallability of that which I've studied. Open the ears of our hearers today. May they receive your word, open hearts and minds. And may we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ in our relationship with you. And may we worship you this Lord's day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, Evangelical theology was being challenged by liberalism. In fact, many theologians, even ministers, started to depart from some of the most basic truths of the Bible. Truths like uh, departing from believing in the virgin birth of Jesus or the fact that Jesus actually performed miracles. So in response to this, many of the conservative pastors and theologians stood their ground and they said, you know, there are some basic truths that 
preachers and believers should hold in order to preach the gospel of Christ. And these basic truths came to be known as the fundamentals. And by the early part of the 20th century, there were five fundamentals of biblical truth. Uh, let me list them for you. First of all, there was the inerrancy of Scripture. Then the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus performed miracles. Jesus' substitutionary atonement. And number five was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And conservative theologian says, said that these five truths are so basic. They are so foundational or fundamental that anyone who preaches the word of God should hold to these five fundamental truths. Well, in response to that conservative effort to fight for biblical truth, um, liberal theologians responded. It seems that liberal theologians said that agreeing with these five fundamentals is not essential for a preacher or a minister. And they developed a document. It was called the Auburn Affirmation. And over 1,000 ministers signed it. And it basically stated that you do not have to hold to these five fundamentals to be a preacher of the gospel. Now, friends, I want you to think through that with me. Let's consider the consequences, if you would, uh, to a minister not holding to those five fundamentals of the faith. First of all, I will tell you that I believe if you deny any of the five fundamentals, you deny them all because the gospel will stand and fall together. Secondly, if you deny any of them, you have nothing to preach, but whatever you choose or whatever you make up to preach. Some of you, some of you will recall a couple months ago, I shared from the pulpit that several years ago I attended a funeral and instead of reading from the word of God, uh, the minister read a children's book called Fred of the Leaf. And that was supposed to be an explanation of life. In other words, they were making up other things instead of looking to the Bible. That's what happens when you deny the fundamentals of the faith. But finally, I'll say for those who signed the Auburn affirmation, they did not consider the consequences. They did not consider the consequences of what denying those five fundamentals would do to their faith. For in denying any of those fundamentals would cause their faith to shatter and their hope in eternity to be lost forever. Well, today, dear friends, on this Easter Sunday, we're going to look at one of the five fundamentals of the faith. The fifth one, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that the Bible today teaches us to consider the consequences of denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For here in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul, he challenges you, he challenges me to consider five consequences to our faith if Jesus was not raised from the dead. So friends, let's go through the five consequences to our faith if Jesus 
was not raised. The first one is found in verse 14. It's simply that our preaching and our faith are in vain. Look at verse 14 with me again. The Bible says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. So first of all, the Bible says, if Jesus is not raised, if there is no resurrection, our preaching is in vain. Now let's talk about this word vain and the word picture behind it. Uh, the word picture is that which is empty or something that has absolutely no effect at all. Friends, I'm a preacher of the gospel and the gospel means good news and good news about Jesus. But I want you to know that if there is no resurrection of the dead, the good news of the gospel actually turns into bad news. You might ask why, Pastor Adam? Well, here's the reason why. Because the Bible teaches us that it was Jesus's resurrection that defeated sin, death, and hell. But if Jesus has not been raised, then there has been no effect on sin, death, and hell. If Jesus is not raised, then my gospel message is in vain. It's completely empty. So instead of me preaching, your enemies have been defeated through Jesus, I should say, your enemies still remain because Jesus was not raised. We have no hope but to suffer the eternal consequences of sin, death, and hell if Jesus was not raised. So what the Bible is saying is that if there is no resurrection, listening to me today or any other preacher proclaim the good news of Jesus is a complete waste of time. If Jesus isn't raised, you could certainly say, in vain today I have listened to Pastor Adam preach an Easter message. You would have been better off sleeping in than listening to me this morning because without the resurrection, friends, my preaching, it's in vain. It's completely empty. It has no effect at all. But you see from the text, not only is my preaching in vain, but our faith is in vain. Now, the word faith here means the content of what we believe. And for Christians, we believe that God will give us eternal life because Jesus has been raised. But friends, I want you to know, if Jesus has not been raised, a dead Savior cannot give you life. So if Jesus is not raised, our faith, it's also empty. It's in vain. It has absolutely no effect. And you think about passages in the Bible like Hebrews chapter 11, where it lists all these people who have believed. You know, we know that chapter as the hall of faith. But if Jesus has not been raised, it's not the hall of faith. It's the hall of the foolish. Because that would mean that people like Abel and Noah and Abraham, Sarah and Isaac and Moses, they would have been faithful for nothing. All of our preaching, all of our faith would collapse. Friends, this is a consequence if there is no resurrection from the dead. But number two, the second consequence we need to consider 
comes from verse 15. And it says, we are liars. If there is no resurrection, we are liars. Look at verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Paul here is saying one of the consequences if Jesus was not raised, he's saying, look, I would be a liar. And not only that, but the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they would have all conspired together to tell us a lie. But not only that, the apostles in the book of Acts that went out and spread the gospel, those like Peter and John, Stephen, the apostle Paul, and all the missionaries in the latter part of the book of Acts, people like Barnabas and Silas and Timothy, these missionaries would have been telling people lies all across the Roman world. In fact, because they were lying, we would need to ask the question, why would we believe any of these guys talk about anything else? Those who've written other books of the Bible, why would we even believe them if they were lying about the resurrection? My friend, I want you to know, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, if there's no resurrection, if you have told someone the good news of Jesus Christ, you would be a liar. I would be a liar as a preacher of the gospel, but I want us to zoom in and really focus on something. If Jesus is not raised, if there's no resurrection, that means that Jesus himself would be a liar. You remember the gospel of John? Jesus said these words as he was standing next to the temple. He said, tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. But the Bible says he wasn't talking about the man-made temple. He was talking about his own body. That after he died, he would be raised the third day. So if there is no resurrection, even Jesus would be considered a liar. In fact, the whole message of the Bible would absolutely collapse because it depends on the resurrection of Jesus. Friends, this yet is another consequence if there is no resurrection. But number three, the third consequence we need to consider is found in verse 17. It's, and it's simply, we are still in our sins. Look at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So friends, let's take a step back and review for just a moment. What is the message that we preach here at Redeemer? What is the message of our church? You know, we preach that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose the third day to defeat our sins. And now we should trust Christ for the forgiveness of sins because it is from sin that we need to be saved. But this text is saying, if there is no resurrection, if Christ was not raised, then sin defeated Jesus on the cross. It wasn't that Christ defeated sin. If there's no resurrection, sin defeated Jesus. His death was in vain. Our preaching is in vain. And we are still in our sins. And we need to remember what the Bible says 
if we're in the position of still being in our sins, that means we're not forgiven. We're not reconciled to God. We don't have eternal life. Again, a dead savior can't give life. And we need to remember Romans 6, 23, because it says the wages of sin is death. And that's not just physical death, but eternal death in hell, a separation from God. Friends, this is a consequence if there is no resurrection. Fourth is found in verse 18. The fourth consequence we need to consider is that all former believers have perished. Look at verse 18. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. This phrase, fallen asleep, of course, that's a euphemism for died. This would mean that all former believers, that means Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and the prophets, Peter and James and John and the disciples, those like Augustine and Athanasius and Luther and Spurgeon, even any loved one that you've had who was a believer that has already died, the Bible says that all these former believers have perished, they're lost, they have no hope. Friends, this is another consequence if there is no resurrection. But number five, it's found in verse 19. And it's simply that believers should be pitied more than all people. Look at the text, verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people most to be pitied. Friends, consider what we have said so far, or what Paul has said so far in the text today. He said, if Jesus is not raised, we have no gospel. We have no faith. We have no living Savior. We would be speaking lies one to another. We have no forgiveness. In fact, we must bear the consequences of our own sin. There's no future hope for other believers who have gone before us, and there's no hope now. If you are a believer in Jesus has not been raised, this text says that we would be a mockery, a joke, an absolute tragedy. And as the text says, we would be the most pitiful people on the entire earth. Friends, consider these five consequences if Jesus had not been raised. And as you consider them, I ask that you not tread lightly on this subject. In fact, let these consequences sink deep into your soul. You know, there's some out there who will say, you know, we want Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yet today we see the terrible consequences of that line of thought. And in response to those people who would deny the resurrection, the Bible says to us today, if you want Christianity without a resurrected Christ, guess what? You can't have it. Because the Bible declares to us today that Christ is risen. 
You see, the gospel stands or falls without the resurrection. Look, here's what's happened. Paul has made his case. He has painted this terrible, dark, grim picture of the consequences to your faith and to my faith if we deny the resurrection. But why does he do that? You know, he only paints this dark, terrible picture in order that he might throw the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ on this terrible situation and give us hope. Because as we transition now from verse 19 to verse 20, I want you to see it in the text. The text turns everything that Paul just said upside down and gives us joy and hope in the resurrection of Christ. Look with me again at verses 20 through 23. Paul says in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, but also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Friends, I want you to know the Bible declares to us today that indeed Christ was raised that third day. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him from rising again. And I want you to see some truths that come out of this text, truths that counter all the consequences that we read just a moment ago. And the first one is simply that our preaching and our faith they are not in vain. You know, Isaiah reminds us that when you preach the word of God, it will not return unto God void. It will not be empty. It will not have no effect. It will not be in vain. In fact, the last verse of this chapter, if you still have your Bibles open, turn to the last verse of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians because it totally turns this idea of being in vain on its head. Look at it. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And here it is, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. For instance, this teaches us that our preaching, our faith are not in vain. In fact, Jesus's resurrection guarantees that our faith is on a solid rock. And that solid rock, of course, is Christ. Therefore, because your faith is not in vain, go live for Jesus. As the Bible says, finish the course, keep the faith, be immovable, always abounding in God's work because you now know that your labor is not in vain. Secondly, another truth that we learn, that we're not liars, but we're actually speaking the truth. Be of good cheer, my dear friend. The resurrection of Jesus Christ assures us that we can trust the Gospels, that we can trust the Apostles, and that you and I can speak confidently to those around us in this world about Jesus Christ, about His salvation. We can know God's Word is truth. We can know that Jesus is the way and the truth. Therefore, I encourage you, because we are not telling anyone lies, go into the world and speak the gospel. Be witnesses for Christ. 
Be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, dear friend. The third truth we learn. We are not in our sins. You know, it was a grim picture Paul just painted a minute ago about our circumstances in life. If Jesus was not raised, our sin would still be on our lives. We would suffer the eternal consequences of those sins. But because Christ has been raised, we are not in our sins. Our sins have been removed, as the psalmist said, as far as the east is from the west. His resurrection, it defeated the power of sin, death, and hell. And as believers, you and I stand declared righteous before a holy God because Christ's righteousness has been imputed to us. Our sin has been imputed back to him. Therefore, dear friend, rejoice and be glad because your sin is not on you, but it's on Christ who defeated your sin. The fourth truth, those believers who've died before us, they do have an eternal hope. You know, it was a young church in Thessalonica when Paul wrote the books of uh, first and second Thessalonians. And uh, one of the things that the people in Thessalonica didn't know or didn't understand is what would happen to a believer after he or she died. In fact, they were sort of hopeless because they didn't know what was going to happen. So Paul wrote to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and one of the first things he said is, I, I don't want you to be ignorant about what happens to a person when they die. I want you to be well informed uh, so that you don't grieve like the rest of the world that has no hope. And he goes on to explain that because of what Jesus has done, including his resurrection, that believers who are uh, united to Christ, uh, when they die, of course, they are with the Lord. But he promised them that, that one day when Christ returns, he's going to be bring uh, with him all that those who have died and gone on before. And that we who are um, here on earth would be caught up together uh, with the Lord in the air, that the dead shall rise out of their graves uh, if you're alive and remain, you'll be caught up together with the Lord at his second coming. And friends, Paul wanted to comfort us with those words in 1 Thessalonians 4. Why? So we don't grieve like the rest of the world who has no hope. So maybe you have a family member, you have a loved one who knew Christ and has died. This text assures you that because of Jesus' resurrection, that one is with the Lord. And when the Lord returns, um, those will return with the Lord and you'll be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord. And so forever will we all be with the Lord. So let's not grieve like one who has no hope. And then the fifth truth this gives us, of course, is that Christians are a victorious people and we should not be pitied. The Bible has taught us because of Christ's resurrection, death is swallowed up in victory. Later in this chapter, Paul asked the question, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? It is not pity that Christians should be given. Rather, this text says that as Christians, you and I can live in victory. 
Victory that is ours because Jesus Christ has given us that victory over sin, death, and even hell in his resurrection. See the importance of this doctrine. Well, friends, as we head towards the end of the sermon, as we conclude today, there is one specific verse that I want you to consider once again. It's verse 23 of the text. It says, But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Let's talk about this illustration. Because the Bible here says that Jesus' resurrection is called the first fruits. Well, what does that mean? Well, friends, this is an illustration of harvest time. You see, before all the Israelites harvested their crops, they would bring a small sample portion of their crops to the priest and offer that uh, to the Lord. And that sample offering from their harvest would be called uh, first fruits. And after the first fruits were given uh, to the priest, to the Lord, then after that, the full harvest of their crops uh, could be accomplished. Well, from this illustration, here's what we learn. Jesus's resurrection is like the first fruits. But your resurrection and my resurrection at the second coming of Jesus Christ is like that harvest that follows the first fruits. So friend, do you see your connection to Jesus's resurrection here? Do you see your union with Christ? You know, the Bible says that we have lived with Christ, we have died with Christ, and we have been raised with Christ. We are united to his life work. You see, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you and I as believers in Christ will also be raised from the dead. His resurrection was a first fruit, that which was offered to the Lord and was pleasing unto God. But that's not all. You see, one day, as we mentioned a moment ago, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, the graves will be opened. Our bodies will be raised, literally resurrected. And if Jesus returns and we're still living, those who have gone on before us will rise first, but we which are alive and will and remain, we too, our bodies will be caught up, resurrected to meet the Lord in the air and forever be with the Lord. You see, the first fruit of Jesus's resurrection it anticipates this great harvest of resurrections that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ will be involved in because we're connected to his life work. You can look forward to your resurrection because of the first fruits of Jesus' Jesus's resurrection. And again, I will say, you know, this calls us again to consider the consequences if Jesus was not raised from the dead. Well, friend, I want you to know today that everything that Jesus did, he did for you. He lived sinlessly for you. He died a substitutionary death 
for you. And he was raised for you as a first fruit so that you in this resurrection harvest could one day be raised with him and forever have victory in the Lord. And today, friends, this Easter Sunday, you have the opportunity to come face to face with the one who lived for you, died for you, and was raised for you. If you don't know the Lord today, I pray that this Easter Sunday, you would hear the words of Jesus and come to him by grace through faith. You know, Jesus said in his word, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, today, if you want to be saved, you can be saved. The Lord Jesus has paid your price. I want you to see what Jesus has done for you. I want you to consider the consequences in your life if Jesus not only had not been raised, but had not done all of these things for you and for me. Friend, indeed today, let's remember that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Amen. Pray with me, please. Our God and Heavenly Father, as we close uh, this sermon today, we're thankful for the word uh, today. Uh, and Lord, we consider, we ponder, we mull over these things in our hearts and minds, what it would be like if, if there was no resurrection. But this Easter day, we uh, say with the Apostle Paul, praise God, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And we know that you're raised as a first fruit. And Lord, we're getting ready to follow you. How much joy and encouragement that puts in our heart. Lord, bless the rest of this day, we pray. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.